Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do please take a seat. Well, a very good morning to you all, and congratulations for making it here on time, on a Sunday uh, on which we've, of course, uh, lost an hour of sleep, um, but obviously only have the one service this morning as well. I've got the pleasure of bringing you all greetings and love and prayers from Lee and from everyone at Hothorpe Hill on the church weekend away, uh, which, quite frankly, I left jolly early this morning in order to be with you uh, all here, although Esther had, of course, already woken up anyway. I'm sure that... Uh, almost all of you, if not all of you, will be, away that today, will be aware that today is Mothering Sunday. Uh, Mother's Day, as almost every card manufacturer on the planet would have you believe. Uh, but I'm sure that there are some others of you out there who also, as I do, hunt to the very back of the racks for the one card that still calls it by the traditional, and my mum would most definitely say correct, Mothering Sunday. Mothering Sunday is perhaps one of the most bittersweet days of the whole calendar. One which, uh, when we have a largish group gathered together as we do this morning, um, has the capacity both to combine uh, gratitude and celebration as well as discomfort and pain grief and joy. Many of us, I imagine, will be full of gratitude for relationships with our mothers, whether still today or in years past. But I'm certain there will be plenty of other feelings swirling within many of us this morning as well. It's also, of course, Somewhat ironic that you're being addressed this morning by me, someone whose experience of motherhood can only ever be passive, as one who's received my mother's love and never given love as a mother. I know from what I see as a husband and a father that however much I love our little Esther, there seems to be an additional level of emotion, a maternal bond, something extra that exists between Claire and her, and that I can ever only know from the outside. But let's turn to scripture to reflect on these questions around mothering and motherhood, and the feelings towards these that each one of us bears. I'd like to suggest this morning that there are perhaps three areas for us to consider. And the first of these three strands of thought um, holds up a mirror to our own experience in the way in which um, various mothers are described in the Bible. Looking to the whole sweep of the story of the people of God, um, we think uh, of the rivalry between Sarah and Hagar, and Hagar's rejection and expulsion, but also blessing by God. 
We think perhaps of the disastrous actions of Rebecca uh, as a mother. Her favoritism for Jacob sowing a discord and conflict between him and his brother Esau. Just uh, immediately before our first reading this morning, think perhaps of the agony of Hannah. Agony without words, beyond words, grieving so much for the child uh, she at that time could not then have, that Eli thought she was drunk. And then in our passage itself, having been so blessed by God with the gift of tiny Samuel, Anna goes through with the unbelievably hard decision to honour the vow that she'd made to the Lord to give Samuel to him for all the days of his life. Hannah understands that all she has, all that we have too, even to the extent of her prayed for, ached for, precious son, is only ever a gift from God. And in her prayer that follows our passage in chapter 2, she declares the goodness of God and her trust and rejoicing in him. A remarkable prayer to give, given all that she has gone through and also given that uh, the other children that come to her later are not yet arrived. This remarkable prayer, despite all she has had to endure. Think too of Mary standing at the foot of the cross in our gospel reading. Not only seeing her own son die, but seeing him tortured and publicly humiliated in the most demeaning way possible. So often while um, men are busy with the great affairs of state fighting wars and building cities in the biblical narrative, we see the whole kaleidoscope of human emotion in these mothers. But there's a different dynamic at work here as well. Yes, it is true that many parts of the biblical narrative do depict the doors of history turning uh, on the actions and decisions of powerful men, with the future of nations determined on battlefields or uh, in the councils between kings and their male counsellors, priests and prophets. But there's also another equally important narrative where other doors, just as significant, hinge on the courage and the commitment of mothers such as those to whom I've just referred and the decisions that are made uh, at home by the hearth in the domestic situation. Think in this context perhaps uh, as I preached on just this last Sunday of Boaz and of Ruth the foreign widow, the outsider, whose loyalty and determination to Naomi, her mother-in-law, led her to become the great-grandmother of David, Israel's greatest king, and a key part of the lineage of Jesus himself. So firstly, Scripture's narrative holds up a mirror to our own all-too-human experience in its portrayal of many different mothers. 
Secondly, Scripture explores the nature of God's love for his people. God is, in different ways through the biblical narrative, described as the father of his people, most fully in the teachings of Jesus himself. And God is never, uh, in the biblical narrative, called our mother. However, God's love, on many occasions, is characterized in motherly terms. There are motherly themes in Psalm 131, where the psalmist describes his soul as being like a weaned child. His relationship with God is like that of a little toddler resting in his mother's lap and enjoying her company. A similar image is found in the promise of Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, where God comforts his people as a mother comforts her child. In verse 8 of Psalm 17, uh, perhaps familiar to you from uh, the formal liturgy of night prayer of Compline, the psalmist entreats the Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. A beautiful maternal image on which Jesus himself picked up in Matthew 23. Um, He longs to comfort Jerusalem as a hen gathers up her chicks under her wings. And perhaps most remarkably of all comes the image of God's parental and motherly love in Isaiah 49. In verses 15 and 16, uh, the psalm, uh, Isaiah writes, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. What I think is extraordinary in this passage is that it's not just the love of a mother which describes God's love, but the pain of a mother whose child has gone astray, which describes exactly how God feels uh, about the waywardness of his people. This is a costly and compassionate and vulnerable love. A mother's love. So the Bible firstly holds up a mirror to our own experience. Secondly, it explores the nature of God's love for his people in motherly terms. And thirdly, scripture also identifies the people of God themselves with the person of a mother. St. Paul in Galatians chapter 4 writes to the Christians of that region, uh, as my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Um, He as an individual likens himself to a mother in labor as he struggles to bring into being a fullness of faith within these new believers in Jesus. But then in Isaiah 66, God's people deliver themselves, God's people themselves in the pain of exile and their longing for deliverance are depicted as a mother in the agonies of childbirth, 
longing for her deliverance, both the delivery uh, from pain and the delivery of her new child. Here the metaphor is developed so that the nation becomes the mother of each individual, comforting and nurturing each one. There's a sense in which the people of God, what has uh, since the time of Isaiah, of course, uh, become the church, the family of God, as I preached about last week. This people of God, this church, this family of God, functions in a motherly way for us all. It's the place where we come to spiritual birth in baptism. It's where we're given our first nourishment in junior church, in Sunday school, or whatever yours may have been called. It's where we're hopefully weaned onto spiritual solid food through preaching, through home group Bible studies and fellowship, through teaching about discipleship, through journeying together. And it's where we grow so that we in turn can nurture and feed those who come after us, such that we all reach maturity in Christ. This understanding of God's people gathered as the church is also reflected in the origins of Mothering Sunday itself. Dating back centuries, long before the commercialization of recent decades, Mothering Sunday was a festival that was not about individual mothers, but about each believer's mother church. It was a day on which people were encouraged to go back home to their mother church, be it in their local parish or even in the place where they were baptised into the family of Christ, often a long distance away. And in doing so, perhaps visit their parents or other members of their family. This tradition has a special resonance for me in many ways, given that uh, I've returned to my own mother church here at St. Giles, the one in which I was baptised more years ago than I care to mention. Not just on this Mothering Sunday, but on every day that I have my privilege of serving my curacy with you all. But at the heart of the Christian faith is the idea expressed in the first chapter of John's Gospel, that through Christ, each one of us can be called a child of God. All of us are, as Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians, in some way orphans in the world who've been adopted into this family of God. The church, our mother church is that gathered family here on earth of course both history and our own individual experience may well tell us that it's often a family as dysfunctional as any other like other families there's always the potential for brokenness and hurt to occur And yet, at our best, we can be a community of people who are ready to step forward whenever a brother or a sister is in need. 
This is what we see at its most powerful and profound in the words of Jesus from the cross to his mother. Woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. For them both, in the fellowship of his followers, Jesus sees the potential for one to love the other with a depth of relationship akin to that of a mother and a son, a parent and a child. And he calls them into that. And as he saw that potential in them and called Mary and John into that place then, Jesus sees that potential in each one of us now too, in his followers today. And he calls each one of us into that as well, into that potential for parental relationship, for a mother-son, for a sister-to-brother, uh, uh, for father-to-daughter relationship, a family relationship. So on this Mothering Sunday, let's celebrate mothers, whilst remembering to those for whom such an occasion is painful and difficult as well. But more than that, let's remember that the church is called to be God's faithful and loving family. And a family uh, that is, in our case, absolutely one St. Giles family, regardless of whether um, you're a family member who is here uh, in St. Giles building itself this morning or whether uh, you're one of our family members on the weekend away at Hothorpe Hall. We're all members of a community that's been baptised with a grace that enables us to be a family that goes beyond biology. It's our God-given duty in such a family to provide a place of community and of love for those who lack, for those who have lost, and to be a home for the widow and the orphan alike. For the sake of each one of them, this is the kind of family we need to be. Not only this Mothering Sunday, but every single day. And so knowing this, the motherly love of God and experiencing this through our mother church, let each one of us know that this is our home, that this is our family of God. And it's to here that each one of us truly belongs. In Jesus' name we pray.